Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today. It is a great day to be here together. I just want to, before we open up God's word, uh, thanks for being here. I just want to acknowledge, I know it's warm in here. Uh, we are going through a major overhaul of our system. And uh, it's a little bit on the fritz. They're, they're working on it. I think it's on. The air conditioning's on, but it's maybe just not putting out the same amount. But if you're at home, you're just living the dream. You're probably great. Um, but if I start, re- like, just really sweating, it's not something's wrong with me. It's just really warm in here. And, uh, man, it's still going to be great to be able to open up God's Word together. Also, I just wanted to commend you and say thank you before uh, we open up God's Word together. For those of you watching online, those of you in the room, I just want to commend you and thank you for your generosity in this season. I want to give you a little bit of quick report. Uh, Pastor Chris sent us this yesterday, all the campus pastors. Uh, you know, all the stuff that's been happening in Lebanon, we asked you to respond. We want to send some aid there, working with some different partners there. As of right now, about, I think around 17000 a little over $17,000 has been given thus far uh, towards Lebanon from our church to go there and help and support the church there. So uh, thank you for your generosity. I know that there's more still coming in and more people are still uh, giving towards that end as well. We've been doing uh, a backpack drive or back to school drive trying to help, uh, you know, Woodside cares, that whole idea of us caring and uh, bridging the gap in our society, especially through all that's going on. There's many people uh, that need help in this season. And so this season, uh, also uh, through your generosity, towards uh, giving back or filling backpacks to give to schools locally at all the different areas and communities that our, our campuses are at. About thirteen dollars to $14,000 has been given towards that. So thank you again for your generosity in that. This is amazing. This is, for us, uh, you know, I know we're still looking. Uh, you can still get involved in those things. Uh, go to the website. You'll be able to find them, woodsidebible.org. But just want to say thank you because this empowers the church uh, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. And it builds bridges of love as we talk about that can sustain the weight of the gospel. That as we are engaging people uh, with real heartfelt needs, that be, it shows them Woodside cares about them as individuals. And it may give us the opportunity as well. Uh, to be a gospel witness in our different communities, to be a lighthouse in our communities. And so uh, thank you so much for your generosity. It's amazing to watch, especially in a season uh, where there's uh, a lot of different um, needs. Well, we're going to be in Psalm, Psalm 133, if you want to be there this morning. Uh, We'll have the scriptures on the screen as well. But uh, that's where we're going to be as we open up and continue in our, or excuse me, start kind of a new series this morning. about unity, about our, um, today's about unity, about our small groups, about doing life together called Built for More. Uh, there's something amazing, there's something beautiful and, and sweet. I don't know if you know this about unity, and maybe uh, that's even more heightened in this season because it doesn't seem like there's much unity anywhere. But there's something amazing and beautiful about it. I think there's something that our hearts long for unity, although we kind of rarely experience it all the time in different ways in our lives. I think maybe it's our desires to be connected to other people, to be about something much bigger than ourselves. And honestly, I think that's why many people are sports fans, as Pastor Alex was alluding to with the kids. I think many people love sports because it's something bigger than themselves. It connects them with other people, and there's this communal aspect to it. Just think about it. I know I'm going to kind of split the room just with this example, but there's no college football this season right now anyway, so just think about the unity that there is experienced with Michigan football. Now, you might be like, "Uh, there's no unity for me, right? 
Uh, Alex is an Oklahoma fan. He may still be able to watch his team this year, right? Uh, but imagine if you're a Michigan football fan. You are connected to each other as fans. You wear similar clothes. You love maize and blue. You hate Ohio State. Um, you know, there's a, there's a sense of unity together, right? I mean, can you imagine if you've ever been to the big house, 106,000 plus fans from all over the place gathering together with one goal in mind, cheering for the victory of the Wolverines, right? And as the crowd cheers, you can hear one voice coming together as they are cheering them on to play and score. Uh, and it's amazing, almost like a brotherhood or sisterhood that's felt in the room as we all have different perspectives coming together, saying, man, for one end, we are wanting the Wolverines to win. And uh, it's an amazing and great celebration. Even when they win, there's songs of victory that are sung. Hail to the... Absolutely, I, I heard you singing that down here, bro. That's awesome. Ohio State fan. Right? It's amazing what happens, and, and that's amazing, right? We, we experience that maybe in other ways, through sports and other ways, but what we experience in that is but just a foretaste of really the desires of our own hearts to be expressed in what we're doing right now. Express that God is, is as, as, as baked into who we are, that we are built for unity and built for community and doing life uh, together. And as we're going to see this morning as we look at Psalm 103 is that this is something that is, while we experience foretastes of it in different areas of life, really uh, we fully experience this in the body of Christ when the family of God has a family to do life with. And so last week we, we finished our series, Assembly Required, talking and looking at the book of Psalms about the importance of us gathering together for confession, for repentance, for celebration, for all these different things that we see in the book of Psalms. And today we're kind of transitioning for the next three weeks, looking at the book of Psalms continually about a series built for more, that uh, Sunday is not the only day we're supposed to experience what it looks like for us to be family, to be unified, to love one another, to walk with one another, to know and be known, all of these different amazing things, right? Because uh, groups, as we do life together, reinforce our identity and our community. I mean, as you go through the joys and the trials in life, building a family, building a career, uh, struggling through the walk of life, what is experienced, how life is so much richer and deeper and more profound and more amazing when you have others to do that with that are spiritually minded, um, pushing you, praying for you, uh, helping you take strides in following Jesus. So, Today we're going to start that for the next few weeks, looking at this series, Built for More. So if you want to look towards Psalm 133, a little bit about this psalm. This psalm is an amazing psalm. It's a song of ascent. And what it's mean by that is King David wrote this, Psalms 120 through 134 are known as pilgrim psalms. And Psalms of uh, Ascent. So there's three times that Jewish families, no matter where they're at, scattered around the world, would make pilgrimage, leaving their villages towards the temple in Jerusalem for a celebration and for a time of worship that they would come together and celebrate together. Now, it's amazing that during these times, the families would celebrate their their common heritage, where they came from, different backgrounds, from different places, and all these different things, they would celebrate their common heritage as children of God. 
that they've been redeemed out of slavery, that they've, uh, at this time they would recommit their, their, their vows of covenant towards God, that they wanted to serve God, and he was going to be their God, and they were going to be their people. It sounds similar to something we do often as well. But Jerusalem was up on top of a hill. If you've ever been there or seen pictures, it's quite amazing to look at. So when families would come near uh, the city, they would begin to climb or ascend the hill and gather at the temple. And their fathers would lead the family, climbing up the steps as they were singing the songs of ascent to help prepare their hearts and their minds as they got closer. So can you imagine different families coming to Jerusalem, coming to the temple, and as they're climbing up the steps and as they're ascending the hill, they're hearing different families singing together the songs of ascent as everyone together is coming together unified for one purpose, to come and celebrate God and all that God has done in their lives. And so when we look at Psalm 133, it's an amazing reminder of the gift of spiritual unity together given in the family of God. And here's the thing. Here's what we want to see is that in Psalm 133, what we're going to see today is that we are called to celebrate the gift of spiritual unity. It's something that we should celebrate that we see even in the text as David wrote for the people of Israel. Now we might be celebrating in Christ that we've been rescued and redeemed. And that was something they look forward to together. So Pastor Alex already read it. So let's just read together the first verse. There's only three verses in the psalm. Quick and easy. Maybe this would be a good one for you to memorize. That's only three verses. Uh, Psalm 133, as we read together. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Now I just say, when brothers and sisters, when family of God, when, as he's writing, the people of God dwell in unity. And so as we read this, just in the first verse, and we look at this, we see how we're called to come together into the family. We're called to come into this family as it says brothers, right? David begins his psalm with an exhortation literally saying, Behold. So it's almost emphatic, and it says, to take place, like, behold, listen, it deserves our attention. Let's pay attention to what he's about to say. Next comes this pronouncement of blessing for the brothers, for them, for all of those who are part of the people of God, for us, all of the people in this room that would be spiritual family under the banner of Christ. This can be experienced only as we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And the blessing of spiritual family is both good and pleasant. It says, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers uh, dwell in unity together. When they, when they dwell in unity with one another. It's, I love that. It's good and pleasant. That it's not only what we ought to do, it's what we want to experience in our own heart. It's not only what God calls us to do, it's also something that will satisfy us. It's good for us, and it's also supposed to be enjoyable. So like this life that we do with other people, this life we do as we're called to be a family together, walking through life together, is not only for our good, but it's also supposed to be something that we enjoy together. I don't know about you, maybe you've been a part of a small group that's been like, robbed you of your soul before. Um, but it's supposed to be something when we dwell in unity together, it's supposed to be not only good for us, but it's also supposed to be something that is enjoyable. I'll say it like this. It's good for you like eating kale, but it's enjoyable like eating pizza. Amen? Like this is, this is the essence of what 
living life together is meant to be when, set, when, when we're called to come into the family. But David makes a clear kind of condition on this blessing. It's not just bestowed on you, you give your life to Jesus, and instantly you experience this. No, it only comes with our need to be a part of the family of God. This blessing comes when we choose to dwell in the family, Right? So this literally means this, and I want you to pay attention to this because I think this is utterly important for us to understand the rest of what we're talking about here. We must choose to dwell, literally, to make the family of God our home. It's our place to dwell or commit to the life of the family together, committing to doing life with one another, to experience the blessing of good and bad together. Can I tell you that that word does not mean this? This is not dwelling. Like, this is part of dwelling. Like, dwelling is, is man, I, can, I, I am committing to doing life with you, to be known by you, and to you be known by me. I mean, the Bible talks about, like, confessing your sins one to another and bearing burdens of each other. I'll tell you, today, whether you're watching online or you're here in the building, if your part of dwelling in the church is just coming up during the first worship song and leaving during the last worship song and sneaking out the back, that's not dwelling. That's attending. That's not participating. Dwelling has the idea when brothers dwell in unity. Man, um, if, if it's just coming in during the first song and leaving during the last song, how can there be disunity? We don't even know each other. That dwelling is something more profound that we choose to place ourselves in. So let me ask you a question. Have you chosen to dwell with other believers in Jesus? Have you chose to dwell with other people that know and love Jesus? If you're watching online, maybe someone shared this today, and I'm, we're so glad you're able to join us online, and maybe this is just a season for you, but I'll tell you, what we're doing online is not meant to be the end all, that we're called to actually dwell with one another in the family. We love that people are able in this season specifically to participate online, and maybe someone's just watching today that have never come to our church or seen our church, but there's a next step that we're called to dwell with one another. Man, do you long to know other people, what they're walking through, what the hardships are, how they're following Jesus, and truly be known, to truly be loved? Can I tell you, this is what the church is supposed to be. If you're here today and that is not true, you're in good luck. Like, this is what the church is called to be. It's supposed to be the modern-day expression of the family of God, to be known, to be loved, to belong to one another, right? And, and here at Woodside, you'll hear us say all the time, we talk about gathering, and then we talk about scattering and groups. And that's why I love this, this series, is, is it's not just about gathering. That's part of it. It's also the church is supposed to happen six other days a week as we get in community together that we're known it says, come into the family. That's why you see us talk about our, our, our next steps pathway, because not only that, there's something that we have to choose to dwell in, right? Next Sunday, John is going to be leading our next steps pathway at one o'clock in the community room after the second service. And we would love for you, if you have not said, man, this is my spiritually family, and I'm committing to them, and they're committing to me, and I want to do life together, that, man, this is your opportunity. Oh, man, come see us afterwards. You can go on our service uh, online in the app and sign up for it or come talk to John or myself or Alex after. We'd love to be able to get you into that. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to have group sign-ups so we can say, man, it's not just about butts in the seat on Sunday or watching online, but it's something more deep and profound than that that we're called to dwell with one another in unity 
and doing life with one another. Take advantage of that in the next couple of weeks. This is just part of us dwelling together. And then if that's the case, if you choose to dwell with others, the second thing we see is to come with harmony. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. So it's not only that God has given us the gift of family, that we're, we have this beautiful thing that is the church, that is the family of God dwelling together. Not only that, he's also given us the, the gift of, of unity and harmony within the family. Now, I don't know what family background you have. You may say there wasn't a lot of unity and harmony in my family. I've never experienced that. I can tell you in this day and age and what we're experiencing right now, what we're going to experience from now until November my prayer is that the church would be an expression, would be a foretaste to the world of what unity and harmony is as we live and do life together. That's what we're called to. It says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Now, David is, is commending the family uh, for living in unity and harmony already that's been provided for them. But man, Jewish families, they would come from all different regions and tribes and walks of life and make their pilgrimage to Jerusalem and they would sing this song and under the banner of one mind and to worship God and celebrate God. Now they all had different points of view. They all had different thoughts back then. Masks or no masks. One political party or the other. They all had their different perspectives and the way we're called to live out our faith. I mean, they had, but, but they all came together with unity and harmony from different places with one purpose, to lift up the name of Jesus. Man, they were from different, many different worldly ways. Their hearts, though, were knitted together in a spiritual way as they shared the covenant of unity. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 7, God gives the promise to the Jewish people of this. You'll see it on the screen. I will take you to be my people... And I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And this is, this is the covenant that they shared together as they walked through, that God was their God, and they were their people, and they experienced this, and it existed among all the Jews. I'll tell you, there was not always a beautiful unity, a commitment to unity. There wasn't always a time, uh, man, maybe David, when he was writing this, was experiencing this beautiful unity in the people of God, but man, it wasn't always like that. There's countless times when the nation of Israel was, was divided and not perfect and, and not committed to one another. Man, the, the covenant, this is the beauty, the covenant of the Old Testament pointed to a more perfect unity that would only be found and established in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The covenant of the Old Testament that God was going to be the people of Israel's God and, and the people of Israel was going to be their people and the covenant they experienced was but just a foretaste. It was, it was pointing towards literally the unity and the experience of the covenant that we have right now found in Jesus Christ. What we celebrate every first Sunday of the month as we take community, communion together that was a picture of that. I love the way the Apostle Paul talks about the work of Jesus and bringing unity with all of us in verse 14 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. It says this, For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made us both one, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two 
so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. See, um, through Jesus' anointing work on the cross, he, he paid the penalty for our sins so that those who believe in Jesus are, are called into a covenant relationship with God. Can I just say this out loud? With God, and not only God, but with the people of God. Did, did you know that the covenant that you entered into as a follower of Jesus is not just a covenant that you entered into with God, it's a covenant that you entered into with the people of God. I mean, find a place in the New Testament where it sees like one person on their own, maybe John on Patmos because he's exiled there. Other than that, you see always the people of God in communal atmosphere living their best to live in unity with one another. And this is what Jesus created for us. Literally, the new family of God established is the church. And there's local expressions of the church, which we experience in this place. And Jesus gives the church the covenant, this beautiful covenant of unity. And it's our responsibility, can I tell you? It's our responsibility to commit to that unity. Like God's made the way. Jesus has made the way for us to live in unity with one another as we're known and we know others. But our, it's our, our responsibility to actually commit to the, to, the, to the unity of the family. Man, when the family of God does life together, unity is going to be tested. We're going to struggle. I don't know about you, but I grew up in church where I saw a lot of different disunity. I saw a lot of different times where unity was really tested. I don't know about you, but in the family, man, unity is tested. If you have a family and you have kids, maybe you have, everybody has extended family, there's always seasons where unity is tested. Sarah and I have been married for, I believe, 14 years she just left the service, so I'm okay. Um, and in that season, right, we've, we've, we've gone through good seasons and we've gone through rough seasons. We've gone through seasons where, man, it's been super good. And there's been there's other seasons where we've kind of had to wrestle through life together. And in all of that, man, I can tell you, it's, it's not just because, like, man, uh, just because we've made it 13, 14 years or whatever, there's probably many more in this room that have been married or watching online that have married much longer than that. Man, as we walk through life, there's been times where I've had to be committed to say, man, I want to live in unity. I'm going to give up my own rights like Jesus called me to, and I'm going to submit myself to you, and I'm going to keep short accounts, and I'm not going to get offended, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to seek out forgiveness, and I'm going to forgive when I shouldn't, and she's going to do the same, right? Because this is what it looks like for us to be committed to unity. Can I tell you, oh, that the church, the people of God would be called and live out what it looks like for us to live in unity, and this is what we're called to experience as the people of God. That as we, I'll tell you, as you do life with each other, it's so much easier. So much easier. I don't want to give anybody an out. But it's so much easier to come in, sit in the back, or maybe you sit in the front, it's fine. It's not everybody who just is here on Sunday sits in the back. So as you come in, it's so much easier just to sit, experience what you experience, and leave, and never know anyone or be known. That's much easier. I would say personally it's much harder because that's not what God called me to and it's leaving something, an empty space in the way that you're called to live as a follower of Jesus. But it's easier in the sense that I don't have to deal with other people. 
I don't have to deal with the person that upsets me, that person, oh my word, I just joined this group, this person bothers me. Every time we come together, they share their political view, and I am directly in disagreement, and I'm tired of them talking about it. Or, man, every time we get together, they say this, and they won't stop talking, and every, whatever it is, it's, it's easier for you to, to enter in, not be known by anyone or not know anyone. There's no expression that needs to happen. I don't have to give up any more of my time as they walk through a move at their house and I have to help them move. And there, there's no need for me to get involved in their marriage when it's struggling. There's no need for me to pray with them when their kids are, are, are maybe wrestling with the Lord. There's no need for me to be able to come alongside them financially. Like I can just peace out and live on my own. I don't have to work at living in unity. But that's not how God called us to live. We're called for something much more. And Jesus, man, Jesus is a beautiful example of this. I mean, Jesus, don't you think of all the people that ever walked the earth, Jesus could have done it on his own? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think Jesus necessarily needed the 12 because they basically bailed on the end. But the 12 needed Jesus. And maybe you don't exactly need other people. I would beg to differ. You do but maybe you're what other people need as you walk through life, expressing life together. And we're called to come and commit to the family. And the last thing is that something that's supposed to be refreshing to us, come and be refreshed in the last two verses. It is like the precious oil on the head when brothers live in unity. Remember, that's the expression. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard and on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life evermore. So come and be refreshed. It's supposed to be something that should be refreshing when we live in unity together. In verses 2 and 3, David gives like two different word pictures to express what this should be like. First, he describes how special and sweet this experience of unity should be together. Like the anointing, he says, of the precious oil on the head running down the beard and on the beard of Aaron running down the collar of his robe. So unity is supposed to be something that is special. As we live together in unity, it should be something super significant and special that the oil here it was made from a sacred recipe not to be duplicated and is only used for special moments and special events. And those were the times where those priests would have been like Aaron, anointed with oil and literally set apart. I mean, they're other, that these, these moments, what they're saying is supposed to be so special that it's set apart as we live in unity with one another. And unity is supposed to be sweet. I mean, David looks back at the time with Moses while he's in the wilderness, and when they anoint Aaron's head with oil, and the oil runs down his beard and over his collar, and as that would have happened, the smell of oil would have filled the room with a beautiful and sweet fragrance. And can I tell you, everyone in the room would have been reminded of the beautiful smell, literally, that, that, that the stench of their sin was abandoned under the beautiful scent of this oil. This would have been something amazing and, and special and sweet for them. A picture of God's grace abundantly covering the stench of their sin. It's very true for us. Today, the extravagant, it reminds us of the extravagant measures that God took to secure our salvation, to come after us and shed the blood of Jesus over all of our sins, our broken, smelly, nasty 
sin. So that's, that's one picture that he says. It's supposed, to be, it's supposed to be special and refreshing, right? Not only that, it's a picture that David used to describe the blessing. It's supposed to be like the dew of Mount Hermon. Now, here's the deal. Uh, Mount Hermon was the highest mountain in all of Syria. You could probably see it from some 120 miles away. And, and we don't know, but and during the year, about 60 inches of precipitation would fall, and two-thirds of the year, there'd be snow on the mountain. And so when it melted or when the, when the water came down, it was the main source for the Jordan River. And during the summer months, the dew would fall, and it'd be lush and beautiful. And we don't know. Possible that David, as he's writing the psalm, he could see Mount Hermon in the distance as he's recounting how refreshing the dew is on that mountain, using it as an expression of how when brothers dwell in unity, brothers and sisters dwell in unity, it's supposed to be something that was refreshing, that he would experience refreshment when he was on that mountain. The unity. When we do life together, it's meant to be special. It's meant to be sweet. It's supposed to be refreshing. It's supposed to enhance the greatest blessing that we have, which is the presence of God for all of eternity. Do you know that you living life here in this building and living life with other believers in Jesus is meant to be just a foretaste of what we will experience for all of eternity where now no one in your group or no family member is going to offend you or harm you or wrong you. But man, there's a reason when Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, he's literally teaching the way that we will live for all of eternity, but we're called to live here and now, even though we'll fail. So when I forgive people that don't deserve forgiveness, when I'm living in life with them, it's an expression of what I'll experience for all of eternity. When I love people so much that it's self-sacrificing, man, it's an expression of an experience I will experience for all of eternity, but I'm called to live in right now. And when we do life with one another, this is meant to be but a foretaste of what we'll experience for all of time. And many people, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, on their journey through life, I mean, they are attaching themselves to a lot of different things, trying to quench that satisfaction, whether it's their job or money, material things. But none of those things will refresh our souls. Do you know that? You can try your darndest, but none of them will. Jesus, it's so, it's, it's, it's interesting. In chapter 7 of John, Jesus is there in Jerusalem. What we've been reading about, what they would have experienced celebrating the Feast of Booths. And on the last day of the feast, he stands up in the crowd. He stands up and he proclaims this. He says this, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I mean, you ever read that before? What an amazing promise that is. What an amazing promise that man, when we place our faith in Jesus, out of our heart will come rivers of living water. That Jesus, in Jesus, we are completely satisfied. And here's the deal. All of that is meant to be experienced as we do life together. That as the church, we gather in unity. This living water flows out of us and flows into other people. And as we do life together, we're refreshed, revitalized, and we experience what Jesus is talking about. That Jesus never intended us to experience living water alone on an island by ourselves, but he calls us to spiritual family. That we might experience that in family together. So, man, what an amazing promise today. I just want to ask you today, are, are you living like this with other people? And have you come into the family? Maybe the step for you today is just to find out whether this is your spiritual family. 
If this is your spiritual family, are you living like spiritual family with those other people? Are you actually doing life with them? Or maybe for you, it's just a call to live in unity with the people of God. That in this season, maybe it's just for you that, man, I'm going to commit to the unity that is found in Jesus. And maybe today, the action step for you, if you're watching online or in this room, that you need to leave here today and go find reconciliation with another brother and sister in Christ. Or tell someone they've deeply offended you. That we might live in unity with one another. That we might come together and be refreshed together. But man, I want to call us and maybe there's people, it's so funny, during the season I've, I've met so many people that actually never were a part of our church before the whole quarantine and thing. And maybe this is a season where you've come along or you've just been watching online for the last three months or whatever it is. And man, God's calling you past just existing to actually participating, to be a part of the family of God that you'd enter in, that, man, I would dwell with other people in unity. We're going to be talking about this for the next couple of weeks, that we might live life with one another. And I'm saying with this, do you, do you know someone else in the, in, in the church? Like, really know them? Are you known by someone else in this church? Really knows what's going on in your heart, in your life, what you're wrestling with, your financial needs, if they are some? And, and, and man, maybe this is for you a moment we could jump into and be refreshed by other believers in Jesus doing life with one another. The next couple of weeks, you have an opportunity to jump in with a group, with a life group. If you're already doing that, may, may we live that way in unity. In the next number of months, we're gonna be challenged with unity. May we live like Jesus called us to live as we do life with one another and show the world what it looks like to submit to one another to love one another, to even forgive one another when we offend each other, and do life in such a way that it'll be a beautiful picture to the world, an expression of the beauty of what we're going to experience for all of eternity. Would you pray with me? Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.